Welcome to another edition of the Weekly Knoll Podcast, here with your host, Clint Island, also a lead writer at the Daily Knoll. It's just going to be me tonight. Um, I cannot join me as of the moment, but uh, we're still going to get through this, and we, I mean, you and me, but I'm still going to get through this, and I'm going to give you a recap of a very, very disappointing game in some respects, and a very encouraging game in others. So, obviously, in case you haven't seen, FSU loses to Miami 28-27. to after having a 27 to 7 lead nobody you know we, we look we all guessed that Miami would win this one right so really okay Miami wins by one point I mean that that's better than the spread that's better than me or Mike predicted that's better than a lot of other sites FSU or non-FSU predicted but nobody feels good about this loss because FSU is up 20 points. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. You lose a three-score game because your quarterback had turnovers or because your defense was kind of uh, getting tired. You know, we'll, we'll get into that, but uh, I'm not going to go through all the game recaps. I'm not going to go through all the stats, but point is everyone's wondering what went wrong, what caused Saturday night to just have a complete meltdown from FSU. I'm going to start this off by saying something that a lot of people probably won't agree with, but it's the God's honest truth. The game plan was very good. Willie Taggart and Harlan Barnett had good game plans against Miami. They coached a good game. Guys, coming into this, what are some of the things we knew? We knew that Miami's defense was aggressive to the point of actually backfiring on them. We knew that FSU's offensive line could do basically nothing. Dickerson was out today, too. Landon Dickerson, so there's your best lineman. Well, guess what? The best defensive line you'll face all year? Yeah, he's not going to play against them. We all knew that Miami's defense liked turnovers, and they kind of fell victim to that later. But for the most part, Taggart really showed what this team could do. He showed what the offense would look like. They went up-tempo. They didn't have any illegal formation penalties. They looked like a legitimate, lethal, lethally si- simple offense. Now ne- that you know, there's a ceiling on that because, like I said, the offensive line issues. But look at what Taggart did. I mean, he avoided the offensive line issues. He got his receivers in space. He even got Cam Akers and Jacquez Patrick into a bit of a rhythm, and you could tell during one of those drives that Jacquez Patrick was just killing them. You know, it's it's stuff like that, like. That offense looked good against Miami, who is one of the better defenses they'll face all year. Now, they go into the second half, and they don't score anything. That's a huge... Or no, I'm sorry, I'm going to correct myself. They only score seven points. That's disappointing, and there's definitely an issue with that. But uh, what is the actual issue? Because everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people are kind of pointing to Taggart and saying, okay, well, look at how the offensive drives in the final, or whatever, 15 minutes of this game went. You know, there's just an ill-prepared offense. They couldn't hit back. Some people don't want to hear this, but guys, at some point, a player has to play to their potential. DeAndre Francois is the current quarterback. He's going to stay the quarterback unless something radical happens. And after watching him for a long time in this game and after going over the numbers and whatnot, you know, guys, uh, 
<laughs> Francois just can't get it done. 15 completions, 30 attempts, 129 yards. That's a 4.3 y- uh, yards average. Two touchdowns, both of them pretty good. One interception and one fumble, both of those in the red zone. 129 yards on 30 attempts. Is that Tiger's fault? I mean, you can go back and you can look at some of the offensive play calls and you could say, all right, well, these are shorter passes, you know, these are screen passes, whatever. But go back and look at the tape. There's receivers running all over the field. There are open receivers, Trey McKitty, Tamorian Terry, all those guys, they got separation from their defenders. And, was, and Francois was done in a little bit by the offensive line. Again, like, you know, we, we don't want to put it all on him. We can't put all of the loss on a single player or a single coach. We can all still admit that Francois is not playing up to his potential. We can admit that his weaknesses are severely holding back this offense. His second half was one of the worst I've ever seen from him. And some of it, again, the defensive pressure gets to him, and really that's a lot of quarterbacks who wouldn't do well in those circumstances. But Francois had chances to make plays today. Instead, he has two awful turnovers inside the FSU red zone, which gifts Miami 14 points. And that's not a joke. They were inside the 20 on both of them. That's an absolute gift. You're only up 20 and you give them 14 points. What? Now, the first one, I think, uh, I mean, the first one, you can say, all right, it was a pressure, it was defensive pressure. I kind of think he could have thrown it away. I think he, he needs better pocket awareness. But yeah, okay, maybe that's not really his fault. Second one, he throws it straight to the guy. He's reacting, but he's not actually reacting the way that Taggart intends him to. You still have to see where your tight end is on that play. You have to see if he's in the right position. He's not. You still throw it, it gets picked off. Is that really Taggart's fault? I think for the most part, FSU had opportunities to win this game. They put players in a position to win this game. But at the end of the day, one of those players, who happens to be the most important one on an offense, he just couldn't do it. And I know, the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy on campus. At some point, though, can we not see what Blackman can do? I'm not... Excuse me. I'm not saying that we need to immediately bench Francois, you know, he's, he's garbage, whatever, because it, it's not true. He's, a, he's an okay quarterback. He's boomer bust. That's the type of quarterback he is. At some point, though, if he can't make the reads on option plays and he can't hit open receivers, why not give the other guy a chance? There's one play that sticks out in my mind because it was late in the second half, I remember, and it was a third down. And the pass is to Tamorian Terry down the sideline. Now, Tamorian Terry beats his defender. This cornerback loses his step, and Tamorian Terry's past him, right? But this defender also grabs onto him. So if Francois can deliver that pass to the sideline, Terry can force a pass interference call. I mean, this guy's just almost wrapped around him at that point. Well, ball snapped and whatever. Terry goes down the sideline, holding, whatnot. Francois has a clean pocket and throws it 10 yards in front of the receiver. 
no flag is thrown because they can't throw a flag on that. That's not catchable. The guy's clearly holding him, but Francois can't make the throw. And it's just so weird because you look at his first half, he's making throws. He has a beautiful touchdown also to Terry and another one to Gavin. And then he comes back in the second half and he just implodes. He has a meltdown. He goes full EJ Manuel against Florida in 2012. He's not the answer, guys. And I honestly think that Sam Howell is going to come in next year and I think he's going to push him for the starting job. I'm not even sure Francois is going to be at FSU next year. I think this offense has the ability to be better than it is. Now, it has a pretty hard ceiling on it because of the offensive line. But Francois just can't run a lot of the things that Willie Taggart wants to run. Is some of that on Taggart? Sure. He had some weird sets this game. He did make some weird decisions this game. His timeout management was pretty horrible. I don't know what he was thinking at the end of the game or any of that. But Taggart still had a fine game plan. For whatever reason... Francois can't live up to it. I don't want everybody to everybody to just jump on the kid, and I don't want you know this idea out there that Francois is the only issue with this offense, but he's holding it back. And for the foreseeable future, you're just going to have to bear it. FSU fans are just going to have to accept that Francois can't run the system that Taggart wants to run. On the other side of the ball, uh, kind of the same story. I actually don't really think this is even... I don't think you can pin it on any one player over here. But on the defense, that defensive line's monstrous. I mean, they whooped Miami's butt up and down that field. That defensive line legitimately almost won them the game. We saw Brian Burns with a forced fumble. We saw, I think, three different players with two sacks. Uh, we saw you know, plenty of newcomers... I think the defense overall did a very good job, and I think everybody would agree. Now, of course, at the end of the game, when your offense isn't helping you out, again, that's when the issue starts. That's when you start getting so tired that you lose your effectiveness. Uh, Kyle Myers did not have a good game at all. He just kept getting beat. There's no other word for that. He just kept getting beat. I mean, he had to... He, I think he drew three pass interference penalties. I, he just wasn't having a good game. You got to move on. You got to put that, you know, look at the film, work on what you can work on, but put that behind you. Levante Taylor played very well. Stanford Samuels played pretty well. Now, there is an issue about Barnett adjusting at the goal line, and I think we all saw this when Lawrence Cager beat Asante Samuel for the touchdown on the same exact play, and I, I do think that's a criticism. I think that Barnett can sometimes just stick to his defensive backs and he thinks that they're ready, right? Same thing with Anthony Lighton on that third down or whatever early in the game. Two true freshman cornerbacks giving up touchdowns. Well, they're true freshmen and they're playing against a Miami receiving core that is pretty good. And they're also playing against Scott Lawrence Cager, who out you know outsizes them by a good five inches, I think, for both of them. Some of that's player issues, yeah. Absolutely, some of it they need to play better, but... At the same time, it's a true freshman. Barnett needs to calm them down there, or he at least needs to make a change. The goal line, you know, the goal line touchdown, I he really that that's where you can knock him. He really should have made a change. He sh- or at least put Stanford Samuels on the guy, right? Samuels is a stronger person, he's lengthy, taller. Put him on Cager and see how that goes. 
But for whatever reason, Barnett, he, he just kind of liked that. And I don't think anyone's complaining about the defense because of how they performed. They performed very well. And if the offense had lived up to what it was supposed to do, or at least the offense had maintained momentum, uh, it wouldn't have mattered what the defense did because they played that much better. Other uh, notes from this game, I mean, the ACC refs, we all know what it is at this point. A lot of people are going to point fingers at the referees, and they do absolutely deserve some blame because that's an awful legal four pass call where it's not a four pass. I mean, I, <laughs> the, the commentator was being very generous. And here's the deal, guys. Commentators and referees, they kind of have a handshake agreement because they understand that if a commentator points out a mistake then a lot of people are going to jump on the officiating. And if that commentator is wrong, which they are a lot of times, uh, then that's going to cause a lot of issues for them. So in general, a commentator will never outright say, horrible call, horrible officiating. Even on that one, when he's looking at the replay, and he go, he's going, yeah, that's just, that. that's really close. He, he knows what the problem is. He wants to say, I have no idea what they're looking at. FSU got screwed, but he can't say that. And so don't ever expect a commentator just out, just come out right and say, yeah, this guy's garbage. They're never going to do that. But look, we know what that is. We know it's the ACC. You had a 20-point lead. You can't, you can't blame one missed call on you blowing a 20-point lead. Here's some silver linings, I guess, from this game. If FSU plays like this for the rest of the year... They're going to be bowl eligible. The team that we saw tonight would definitely beat Wake Forest, would definitely beat Boston College, and has a good shot at beating NC State. So there's your six games. There's your bowl eligibility. Now, we said that after Alabama last year, and it's different because, you know, Blackman, true freshman, whatnot, but, you know, the same principle applies. I think that if this team keeps up that level of intensity, and if they keep up that tempo, that defensive line, They'll be fine. That special teams even. I, the special team still wasn't really good. Logan Tyler is still a very weak link. But uh, DJ Matthews' incredible punt returns are kind of going to get washed away in the loss. But look, he has the he has the ability back there, right? And he'll probably show it throughout the rest of this season. Can you imagine being a coach and watching DJ Matthews and going, you know, I, I don't want him returning punts i want tavares mcfadden back there returning punts yeah come on i mean we saw how good he was so if this team if they can continue playing like this they'll be fine but this is a very big mental test i mean this was a rivalry which you held a three score lead and you lost it's gonna take a lot for that locker room to rally around each other get back out there and go and punch Wake Forest in the mouth and get an easy victory. They have the bye week so they can recoup, and we'll probably hear a lot more going on over the bye week. But, uh, you know, th this team has the ability to really surprise a lot of people. If you had asked me before this game what I thought, I would have said Miami's going to probably run away with this from FSU, and I think FSU is really going to struggle to make a bowl. After this game, feel a bit better. Feel a bit better about this team's chances feel better that they went up against a legitimate top 25 defense and moved the ball. Feel better that this defense is sort of figuring it out. They've got some issues and uh, you know some players are not picking up the slack. 
But overall, this defense has enough to work with. The team looks better. That is a completely different team than the one that came out against Syracuse. That team is also learning that there's a next step. There are players in that locker room who don't know how to take that next step. Will they ever? I, nobody, you know, nobody can tell. Sometimes they never do. Sometimes they just kind of wash out or go to the NFL or whatever, try their hand, and the locker room's better off for it. Some of them learn. This is a learning experience for a lot of those guys. This is, you cannot get complacent. And sometimes, you know, there's stuff out of your control, which you just have to ignore, and you have to go out there and continue playing your game. 28-27 to Miami. It's not going to feel good for a while. This one's going to sting. Imagine how Miami felt for all those years where uh, Brad Kaya couldn't get it done. But, uh, you know, it's going to sting for a lot of FSU fans. But uh, there are some very notable things to come out of this contest. You lost to Miami, but there's light at the end of that tunnel. That's all I have for tonight. Here are the two sponsors we uh, we have on our site, nofan.org. Great archive site. Continue looking them up. Go go look at the glory days of FSU football, especially you know when they beat Miami. And uh, then Southern Solutions, LLC. Uh, October is here, but Southern Solutions will always be around, and they're a great company to work with. We've heard nothing but good things about them. Uh, other than that, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I know uh, we'll try to get Mike back on the next one, but... Overall, I hope you liked my analysis, and I hope you keep enjoying the Daily Knoll content. Since Mike is not here, I'll be the one-man show and say adios.